Kia ora, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. My name is Compass, I use they, them pronouns, and I am joined today by the lovely... Kia ora, I'm Megan Rogerson-Berry. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Um, and yeah, I'm a researcher and a lecturer at uh, Wintech um, in Hamilton. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, the reason I we've got you on today is because you're starting a new like research project I'm not sure if that's how you meant to say it I'm not very academic um but so you're studying new research um and you you sent us an email and I was like oh we've got to get you on for like an entire show because they're really just like um I read through your email and I was like this is like everything that I want out of research ever so you're studying um queer music eh yeah so um, I'm doing a PhD at RMIT in Melbourne and the, uh, the the PhD is about, yeah, queerness in popular music um, of the 21st century. So, yeah, I'm looking, yeah, a whole lot of things um, for, for that, but specifically, yeah, yeah, queerness in popular music of the last 20 years, essentially, um, which kind of does involve, I guess, you know, the history of queer music and that kind of stuff. But I think it's changed. So I kind of, yeah, I was wanting to sort of, figure out what's going on there and so that's what I'm doing my PhD in. Nice so are you looking at like the evolution of queer music throughout the 21st century or is there something specific that you're looking for? Yeah um, I'm I'm actually interested because there is a lot of research out there on on queerness in in popular music but I really want to find out like is there a sound you know what I mean like is does queer music have a specific sound because i think a lot of the research out there at the moment is kind of like what does it look like or how is it performed or you know what are the themes you know i'm just like is there a sound is there something that sounds queer you know what i mean like a Um, like a particular like instrument or motif or that kind of thing like genuinely in the the music and the sound itself rather than like the performance of it yeah pretty much like can we say that that you know uh, if if a if a composer does this kind of move and this kind of move, um, can we say that that's that's queer? Um, and I mean the answer probably is no. <laughs> so I'm probably going to spend like you know the next six years being like, is there is there is there? Oh no, there isn't. Um, but you know maybe and whatever comes out of it, you know it'll be helpful and informative anyway. I think. Um, but that's kind of my little. That's my main. Um, I guess question you know can is is there a specific sound or sounds that we can sort of identify identify as sounding queer Um, outside I guess of the performance or outside of the the lyric themes or or that kind of thing Um, that's so interesting because it's pretty ambitious yeah very ambitious hopefully you'll (laughs) you'll find something and then we'll all be enlightened Um, because definitely when I think of queer music I think of stuff like Lady Gaga I think of like the the songs that especially like drag performers perform to um like that sort of stuff that is very rooted in the performance of music eh? of um yeah yeah I think about the performance that goes along with music rather than just the music itself so that's very interesting Ooh. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that you can separate them out at all, ever, like, exclusively. I'll just be like, okay, take that, ignore it, pretend it didn't happen, and just focus on the sound. So, I mean, I guess that that would be quite kind of simplistic. But I, I do think that, you know, we can, you know, if if you're listening to a track and you're just listening and say you knew nothing else about that artist or about that track, could you still identify it as sounding queer? Uh, I guess is is the question, and I think we all do that. Like I, I think we all go, you know, you listen to a new song and and you go, oh, that, that's a little bit, that's a little bit queer. That's a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, right there. And then, yeah. you, and then most of us will go and immediately Google the artist and be like, what's going on here? You know. Um, but initially, there's that moment I think where where you go, yeah, that sounds like a bit of me. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, but the amount yeah. of like Google searches I have, which is just like an artist name and then gay after it, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We I, all do it, but I think we're a little bit ashamed to admit it like but we need to. We need we need people that we can identify with, I guess. And so it's kind of like it does become very important then that, you know, this the sound that sounds like you can identify with it also belongs to you know a persona that you can identify with as well mm. um so yeah yeah I find, but yeah I'm, I'm mostly interested in the sound yeah I find it very interesting lately actually because there is like a I would say there is a lot of music that's like queer people really like hold on to and are very mm. attached to but they're all so diverse of like it goes from like Hosier who's like yeah. gives me like gothic swamp witch energy yeah. to like yeah. uh, on the other side like lady gaga who is like gives me rave energy you know so it's yeah. it's Absolutely. so broad so you've really got your work cut yeah. out for you no i do i really <laughs> do you know and I, i've started um so the the project i guess started with a lot of sort of preliminary research and then i designed i guess the the uh, the data collection uh, if you like, because I kind of figured that I can't sort of base my whole study based on what I think sounds queer. So um, I set up the survey um, around it and um, it was an online survey and I got uh, quite a quite a few participants, I think 60 or something. And I was, I've just got spreadsheets of songs and artists that people sound queer and it's fascinating oh my gosh. Um, to sort of go through these spreadsheets and be like, wow, okay, I didn't know that artist or I didn't know that song. And But as you kind of look at it, you start to go, oh, okay, like, you know, certain, I guess, demographics tend to uh, identify more with certain types of artists or not, you know, but it's all kind of under the umbrella of, of queer music. But it's a, it is kind of fascinating, you know, which are more important to which kinds of people. So yeah, and then obviously, that's why after you know doing surveys, I'm, I'm wanting to do interviews because then I can talk to people, I guess, and sort of start to unpack that a little bit more. Um, yeah, sort of so in detail. Talk us a bit more through your interviews that because this is basically a casting call where like if you want to be yeah. involved in this research, you just want to talk about some queer music that you really love, like get involved. Yeah. So could you maybe talk us through um, like what the interviews will kind of look like, what they'll be like, and then also what people need to do to get involved and like is it do they have to be living in a certain place or have certain experiences or be in a certain demographic? Like, tell us all. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so uh, the interviews um, I can conduct via Zoom. So like wherever you are, please um, do get in touch with me and we'll make a plan to have a chat. Um, the only the only kind of um, condition I have on these interviews is I need my participants to be over the age of 18. Um, so otherwise, it doesn't matter what your um, gender identity or your sexual orientation is or anything. Um, I, I mean, other than obviously, I only speak English. So that's probably um, my bad. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, preferably a command of the English language. Um, those are the only kind of things that I that I need to specify, I guess, um, about these interviews. And then um, all you need to do is, is flick me an email, essentially, and be like, hey, I'm really keen. Um, and I'll give you my email address um, in a second. But um, what, what I do for the interview is, is essentially I ask the participant to come up with a, a short playlist of songs that they think sound queer to them. So like five to ten songs. Um, and usually uh, participants will pick songs that are meaningful as well, which is even juicier because like, like, that's kind of important too. Um, but anyway, songs that sound queer to them and then send me that playlist and then I have a listen and then we arrange a, um, a chat that usually takes about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how much we have to say. Um, and we just talk through the songs essentially and i'll ask questions like well why did you pick this song and what about it sounds queer to you um you know uh and sort of start to unpack from there um these songs and i'll obviously be taking notes and, and everything and from there i'll take i'll take that information and then i'll go and actually probably transcribe the songs and music musicologically have a look at what's going on in them to see if i can kind of tie any threads together between what what the participant has said and what I can sort of isolate in a nerdy musicological way. Nice. So what I'm hearing so, yeah, is basically you get to make a playlist and then you get to like rave about the songs that you love to somebody for an hour and th th like there's no downside yeah. here. There is no downside. No. <laughs> That's yeah. basically I mean, yeah, I've done a couple already. Yeah. And they were just they were just such fun. Yeah, that's basically what this podcast is. This episode of this podcast is just going to be us just raving about music. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah. yeah. So that sounds really amazing. And do what sort of inspired you to like follow this, like, I guess, strand of research specifically of trying to find certain queer sounds? Like, was it like previous yeah. research, or was it like you came across some music, or you were just like? lying in bed at 3 a.m. and you're just like, oh, I should do this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a combination. <laughs> um, so I started out, um, I did my degree at Wintech where I now work um, in, in media arts, so I'm a, a trained musician. And, um, and then I kind of, I did my honours degree after my degree and I was like, I really got into gender and, and music. So I wrote this piece on tomboys and, and, and singer-songwriters because it was kind of something that I really identified with. Um, and I have, I have a fantastic um, supervisor, Matthew Bannister, who, who's, who's done a lot of work on gender and popular music in New Zealand specifically. So uh, he was really a, a big sort of guiding, uh, I guess, factor in, in in the path that I decided to go down academically. And then I kind of, yeah, after that I did my master's on something completely separate. And then 
Um, round about the time I finished my master's, I guess I started listening to St. Vincent. I don't know if you've heard of St. Vincent. I have, but I I won't say that I listen to their music a whole lot. So do you want to maybe try and explain what their music (laughs) sounds like? Because they're quite poppy, aren't they? But they're very Uh, experimental as well. Or at least that's what I found. Yeah. So Annie Clark is the the musician um, who's sort of, you know, the brain behind the the whole St. Vincent thing. Um, And she's described the, the work her work is alien pop. So it's kind of like, if you Wikipedia it, it's kind of like Baroque avant-garde um, alternative pop music. But it's kind of like, it's weird, disruptive pop rock music. It's it's really strange. Um, but somehow it kind of really works. Like there's a whole lot of dissonance and stuff that confusing sounds and... Um, and yeah, sort of really, I guess, uh, odd lyrics as well in, in the music that sort of just, um, but like these extremely catchy melodies that sort of you can sing sing along to. So kind of, yeah, strange, yeah, <laughs> essentially. Um, and I sort of, yeah, around about 2012-ish started uh, listening to her first album, which was actually released in 2007, but like this is when I discovered her. Um, and then her um, self-titled album, St. Vincent, came out in 2014. And I kind of, before, before when I'd listened to her first album, I was kind of a little bit like, oh, okay, this is cool, but nothing sort of rang any bells for me about queerness. And then the, the St. Vincent album came out, and I was just like, whoa, you know, this is queer music. Mm. Like, this is, this is so queer. Um, was that like influenced and, by knowing anything about her as a person or was it just you listened to the album and you were like, oh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I didn't actually like, I'd seen the album cover of her first album and I'd never looked her up or done anything like that. I've never seen any videos. I didn't know what she looked like. I didn't know what she performed like. Um, I didn't even know that she played guitar, um, which is one of the main things that she does. She's a guitarist as well. And yeah, and then I heard this this um, St. Vincent album and I was like, whoa, there's something going on here that's just wow. Um, and then it was Laneway Festival in 2014 and she played at Laneway and, and I went and like the front three rows was just, you know, inundated with uh, lesbians, <laughs> to be fair. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, lesbians in the front three rows. That's how I want my life and, um, to be. <laughs> yeah. so it's just, like, lesbians in the front row. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know you. I know you. I know you. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. We're all just hanging out here watching St. Vincent. Um, and that kind of said to me, okay, right, there's something universal happening here. Um, and then she kind of came out and, you know, the welcome was, you know, welcome to um, the freaks and the weirdos. And I was just like, okay, definitely something going on here. And so I started sort of looking her up and sort of following her work a lot more closely. And then I guess um, I wrote a paper for a conference um, in Canberra uh, in 2017 about her guitar playing, um, which is in itself quite weird. Um, 
and I went and presented this paper and I, I had some some people come up to me afterwards and be like you should do a PhD and so I did like that was the start of it um, I was initially going to do the whole PhD just on St Vincent because I think there's enough there but then as I started digging I sort of started realizing with my supervisors and everything that perhaps the more interesting thing is why did I think like do other people have the experience that I experienced with St. Vincent where I was just like, wow, you know, um, without sort of having seen or seen any performances or knowing anything about her, do other people have those kinds of experiences? Is it a universal thing? Um, yeah, I feel so like what can we pull from that? Yeah, recently I've had experiences like that where I'll start listening to music, but but like pretty much like a large majority of the music I listen to is by queer people. Um yeah. but like I'll start listening to them. I won't know that they're queer, but they will be queer. Which is like yeah. it might just be because like people are more like open and out now. Or maybe I just have a fantastic gator. Like just yeah. I can just always <laughs> tell. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but I mean that's the thing, and that's that's one of the things that I'm looking at exploring like do we have sonic gaida like can we sonically pick up queerness mm. you know the same as we have gay like musically i guess the same that we that we do do it in real life and in, and in our daily relationships like is is that something that we have as human beings um or as or as members of the lgbtqia plus community mm. like is that something you know, um, yeah, I guess that, it, that it, fascinates me. I, I feel like it would make sense for that, though, because like so, so many queer and rainbow people are so creative and it's such an outlet as well, I think, for a lot of for a lot of us to like create music and to like consume art as well, that it makes sense that we would create our own. I mean, we do already, but like even just the way we create things musically that we would have some sense of unity there. Because like even if yeah. you, I feel like um, something that feels very queer to me is, I, I don't know exactly what the musical term would be, but you know, like in Vogue music or like music that people Vogue yeah. to, like that constant beat that, um, yeah. that, that feels very queer to me. And if I hear it in any song, I'm just like, a homosexual yeah. made this music. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but like, you, yeah. you know what I mean? It, Absolutely. Yeah, there are things that just, like, feel so intensely queer to me, um, which yeah. must be, like, a, a product of our society in, in some way. Well, and our history, I think, as well. I think that's the other, that's the other thing is, you know, looking at the history of, you know, queer music or LGBTQ music, um, there are a lot of, I guess, um, it's similar to genres, I guess, like it was all genre based, um, sort of in the 70s and sort of, you know, you've got confessional folk music that's sort of attached to um, lesbians and you've got this kind of driving um, dance disco music that's um, attached to gay men and you know, that's the history, I guess, that's, you know, but I think in our society now, like, there's a lot, there is a lot more variety and there's a lot more, you know, um, I guess, 
uh, sorry, a lot less separation, mm. I guess, between the different um, the different genres. You know, like it's not like you know, if you're a lesbian, you must listen to confessional <laughs> singer songwriter music. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's part of the um, rule book. <laughs> Sorry? It's part of the rule book, the lesbian rule book, surely. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But um, I have a bit of Katie Lang and Yeah, absolutely. obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the, like, things like TikTok, but it's definitely become a real um, trend of if you, for instance, if there's, like, a, a pretty lady that you see, you ask them if they listen to Girl in Red, you'll, like, go comment, you'll be listen. do you listen to Girl in Red? Uh, because Girl yeah. in Red is um, a, a queer singer yeah, like who, primo. Yeah, yeah, who writes yeah. music about lovely ladies, and it's quite nice. It's very relaxing. I could yeah. definitely listen to it while I'm like drinking a tea, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that sort of thing of we create communities around music as well, um, and then apparently yeah. it's a it's a whole thing that like um, trans people, much like myself, listen to Mother Mother. Um, which I haven't I, heard of Mother Mother. Oh my gosh! I think you should go listen to them because okay. some of their music is okay. very strange, and some of it is Imagine Dragons esque. Um, they have a right. they have a they have a wide variety, but I very much enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to go and listen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just giving you all the content Tell me more. you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... yeah. Oh, no, seriously. Like, I just want. I just want all of the cool stuff. Um, to have a listen to so yeah <laughs> any other recommendations a cave town non-binary people love cave town <laughs> k-town cave cave cave, cave town, town. Oh, i okay. just love cave town but, like his music is just very, it's so wholesome i i know everybody yeah. listening to this will have listened to cave town because you're all gay um like it's just it's very nice relaxing cute wholesome music that kind of sings about I guess it's like embracing like softness and masculinity in one um like it's ulu soft boy music you know it's very nice Um, but these are sort of things that like I've noticed through like social media that like the music that we connect through that in that way which is, but I, I feel like I'm not sure if I could pinpoint a specific sound in them that I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's a little yeah. queer. Yeah, I don't like. <laughs> there was I don't there's this um, interval, uh, a musical interval, which is like isn't a distance between. I don't know how much you know about music theory. Um, I never sat my grade five paper, but like I had, okay. so I have like. <laughs> like grade four and a half music the theory knowledge okay great great i mean there's this interval called a a a, you know it's called a tritone or a diminished fifth or an augmented fourth and in the middle ages they called this interval the devil's interval um because they thought that it sort of personified the sound of it they thought that it personified the devil himself you know and um I don't know if we can kind of go that far into saying like, oh yes, there's this particular interval that's queer, you know, um, like like they did in the Middle Ages, like don't play that interval or you're going to invite the devil into your home, you know. I don't think we can do that, but I think there are like a series of like 
are there bits of the music that are at odds with each other? You know what I mean? Like, mm. but somehow they work. Um, I think, I mean, that's as far as I've got so far. Like, uh, that's why I'm kind of wanting to talk to people and get, get more information because I think there's, there's a lot more that we can kind of unpack. But I think, you know, juxtaposition between weird things that don't belong together but somehow they work is definitely perhaps one of the mm. one of the things that we can identify as sounding queer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not not so specific that it's just like that specific chord, that specific melody note. No, yeah. I think that would be way too. That would be way too. Um, very specific. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like, mm, okay, cool. What about that song then? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's super no. <laughs> interesting. I love the idea of. Um, like queer music being that like like as you said like kind of at odds with itself of like bringing many things together into one song and it just kind of working so I feel like that's very it's mm. very symbolic you know I like it yeah yeah well I mean why shouldn't like yeah I mean that's kind of who we are as a community isn't it so you know why shouldn't it be represented in our art and our music mm. you know like that's that's what art and music is all about isn't it it's about the core of art and music is about what it means to be human, I guess. And so, you know, why shouldn't our humanness be represented, you know, sonically or, you know, artistically or, or, or whatever, um, I think. Yeah. No, definitely... Whether or not the artists are aware of it happening or not, like yeah. that's another question that I just completely want to avoid because yeah. I don't care. Yeah, so we're not going <laughs> to think about that right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess. No, that's too much. Yeah, with what you were saying I guess I kind of started thinking I, I, this is just me like you say things and I'm like I've listened to a queer artist that has done that but like artists like Dorian Electra who's like like so hyper pop but also it their music kind of makes fun of pop itself while making fun of masculinity and all of it kind of being at odds with itself yeah. of like um yeah. it's like they released um their album and there's a, a song called Guy Liner on it. I think there are two <laughs> different versions of Guy Liner, but it's basically just like them saying about the fact that they're a guy and they wear Guy Liner and people love to like watch them cry um, because of it. And it's just like, it's just a stunning piece of music, but all of their music is kind of um, pure chaos. Um, yeah. Which I, yeah. I, and I love it so much. Whenever I need motivation to like do the dishes or something, I'm like, we're putting on Dorian and we're going to, we're going to yeah. get that like dopamine boost and we're going to do it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, there's heaps of artists that kind of, um, Patrick Wolf is one that I recently, um, I don't know if you've heard of Patrick Wolf. No, I haven't. Um, Irish artist uh, recently got sort of directed towards. I haven't done a lot of listening, but um, he's got these weird elements. Like it's this, it's this techno pop, not even sort of a folky pop, but then there's techno elephant elements, and then there's like an orchestra somewhere, you know. And it's like, what is going on here? Like your senses are pretty much assaulted, but somehow it all works. You know, it's like these things do not belong together, you know, in terms of the rules that genre have put together for our benefit, these things don't belong, um, but they do work. Um, and I, and that, that's sounded, that sounds like fantastic music to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, 
I suppose we've like we've mentioned pop quite a lot of like that really hyper pop or very upbeat music but has has any of the things like I feel like Hosier and Mitski and um I'm trying to mm. think of someone else who gave oh Florence and the Machine um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like those sort of um, artists like have they come up that are sort of slower and softer uh, they give me mm. the like yearning vibes I don't know like is that sort of music yeah. that's come up quite a lot as well I think it comes up less frequently but like Hosier definitely is one um I was surprised in my data there was some Billie Eilish in there um oh. as well um and uh, Lena Del Rey popped up quite a lot mm. um I don't know if you listen to her music. Um, I used um, to, but... and then I stopped because she did some uh, things. So I was like, oh, that's dodgy. <laughs> oh, I oh, didn't yeah. know that. Oh, well, her, her music's fine. <laughs> but I guess with... with oh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. With, with Lana Del Rey, I feel like it's definitely... Because her music gives me... It's very nostalgic to a time where, like, mm. like I wasn't even alive, and yet I kind of... I'm like, I want to live there. Of Like, I just want to... Yeah like exist in this yeah. like type this bubble in this time period and just like yearn for people and be sad yeah 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 such a sad boy music eh? yeah um anthony and the johnstons is another Ooh, one yes um, oh i feel like that fits them. in very well with the the dissonance kind of thing because the... yeah, it's, yeah. and it's the phrasing of the melodies mm. as as opposed to what's happening orchestrally with the piano it's just everything like everything just feels slightly off you know it's like did you did you make up the song on the spot like because it just feels like you kind of don't know what you're doing but somehow it's beautiful you know what I mean like yeah <laughs> it's yeah. A, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah their music definitely feels like an experience <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah, those are the kinds of slower type. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else. Um, I can't think of anyone else right now. Um, LP is one that popped oh. up, although she's kind of sort of middle ground, I guess. Um, I love her stuff. Oh, like I'm just obsessed right now. Oh, that's um, a, that's with something... LP. Yeah, she gives me like the. Like she makes me feel like I'm sitting outside a caravan, just like drinking a beer and just like playing a guitar. This is how I yeah, think about music. Yeah. I'm just like, what is the energy of this song? And the energy of her yeah. music is definitely sitting outside a caravan with like a beer and a guitar and just jamming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I just it's. I think for her, for for me for her like it, her voice is so strange. <laughs> like compared to you know she's got compared to the, the music it kind of almost feels like it shouldn't fit um, and then you get this kind of really high-pitched whistling coming from her which is also a little bit weird mm. but I love it like I, I absolutely love it and yeah it's very it's a mood yeah yeah she's got music. a she's got a very like raspy voice I think it's quite She's got a lot of range, but it does, she does sing, tend to sing quite deep, I find, um, which is like, yeah. it's very, it's very soothing to listen it, listen to while being like, yeah. oh, this isn't like the kind of voice that you normally hear. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it could. I think for some people, like her voice could probably get on on your nerves a little bit. But I I do. I, I love it. And I've actually tried singing her songs and I've been like, this is actually physically painful to do. Like, because she does have such a big range. It's like, how do you even get up there and then get down there? Like, it's physically painful, you know? And I, But it, yeah, it's just got amazing so ability. Pure talent, pure talent. Yeah. 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 I guess, <laughs> yeah. Um, have have artists like Marina and the Diamonds and that come up? And um, I, this is me like flashing back to my fourteen year old self, being like, "I'm so sad. I'm gonna listen to My Chemical Romance and Marina and the Diamonds." <laughs> of like, is that sort of music come yeah. up a, a bit or at all? Um, Marina and the Diamonds actually not so. I was surprised that Marina and the Diamonds hadn't come up that much. Because, yeah, I, I, I get that vibe as well. Um, and Christine and the Queens did, mm-hmm. though. Not that they, they just have similar names, not that they're m- remarkably similar music. But, um, but yeah, Marina and the Diamonds, no. No, not so much. That would be fascinating because, obviously, she has synesthesia, um, which, in terms of, like, music and writing music and synesthesia, that's really actually quite interesting, too. Mm. Um, Do you want to explain so... what that is to people listening who might not know what it is? Oh, yeah. So um, it's kind of like um, people who can hear colors, say, or they can smell sounds. Um, So I guess the senses get a little bit, um, I guess, I wouldn't say confused, but they have like a sort of an extra layer of superhero powers for your senses. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, Um, yeah, that must impact the way that they create music in some way. I feel like Marina, especially she, her voice is she's like she's a little bit like LP. I find of she has fantastic range and she has quite like a deep voice, but her voice isn't raspy at all. She's got a very clear voice, which is yeah, yeah, very interesting. And her music as well, I think, has a like a super wide range of. I feel like it does have that element of like hyper pop in it sometimes with that that dissonance between like the music and the lyrics maybe um yeah i'm I'm not sure if she's queer so but definitely the gays love her so yeah well i mean this is another interesting thing that's kind of popped up like do you have to be queer to write queer music i don't think you do um you know i think separating out queer identity and queer aesthetic sometimes Mm. becomes quite important um, in these in these kinds of situations, like you know, um, like yeah, like I guess I'm trying to think of an example. Well, like Billie Eilish popped up, who sort of doesn't ascribe to any kind of queer identity, but popped up as as sounding queer to some of my participants, um, and and that that did surprise me actually. Um, so I did have to have a big think about it. Cause I was like, well, does this, does it count? Mm. You know, like, and then I was like, well, I kind of, yeah. I mean, cause you know, you do have, you know, I guess the, the queer aesthetic is, is very much around, um, I guess a set of disruptive tools and practices, mm. um, or subversive tools and practices. And, I, I don't think you necessarily have to identify as queer or 
um, you know, in terms of your sexuality in order to be able to use those tools. Mm. Although it does seem more authentic if you do. Yeah. But then again, like queerness as a construct is like probably the least authentic construct because it's all about subverting mm. identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, and I think as well because so much of queer identity is sort of taken into the mainstream now like we all know that like black trans women created everything that we have um and like that means that like queerness and uh, specifically their transness and their blackness is a part of like us as a community and as a society and that like leaks out to other places and other communities and I think as well like it is totally aesthetic I think is such a big part of the queer experience for a lot of queer people of being like, this mm. is who I am. And it's kind of going against that thing of like, I don't care what you do in the bedroom. It's like, yeah, I'm queer everywhere I go. Like every <laughs> single place that I go, I am queer and I'm, you're going to know about it. And like, yeah. it makes so much sense that that would like filter into everything, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I mean, there are things that like, you know, one of the things that I've sort of been thinking about recently when it comes to music anyway is, you know, since marriage equality and sort of the sort of acceptance of queer people in mainstream communities, a kind of, there's an assimilation that happens mm. and, um, which is good in terms of visibility and it's good in terms of acceptance and in terms of safety, it's really, really good. In terms of culture and in terms of art, I kind of found, like, I'm thinking about the song Girls Like Girls by Hayley Kiyoko. Mm. I don't know if you've heard that song. Oh, that was that was uh, very formative for me <laughs> as a young person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a great song, you know, and, and having having something visible like that is so important. Well, I don't know if I would call it queer. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, it's a, it's a, I think we're verging on homonormative there mm. a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, girls like girls like boys do nothing new. And so it's kind of like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. Part of, I guess, the queer aesthetic, though, is, is to question everything that is seen as normal. Um, and and so Girls Like Girls by Hayley Kiyoko, for example, is, is a song that I would say is, you know, it's just a pop song. Mm. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and I, and I feel like there, there's like such a big difference between being gay and being queer as well. Yeah. And definitely yeah, and people, like more recently as well, I think as well. Yeah. And, and people do definitely confuse confuse them because queer as a word it has so many uses you know there's so many different facets to the word queer that yeah it can be quite confusing because it has been used as an umbrella term for the entire lgbtqia plus community you know frequently um but is that what it refers to now like would you would you like I identify as lesbian and I, and I don't identify as queer mm. you know what I mean I, th um, I find that very interesting because I identify almost primarily as queer like even in terms of like my sexuality in terms of my gender I'm just like I'm queer um which I, yeah. I think is very interesting but um thinking about how I guess like 
I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're just words, but they hold so much meaning and they hold so much like social relevance as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I really wish I did identify as queer because I kind of feel like I'd be a little bit cooler. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, I've got like. You could come sit with know, us at just, the table. <laughs> just a lesbian. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not cool. I'm not like queer, you know? Um, and I wish I was, you know, because I think there's a whole lot of really interesting stuff happening you know, in terms of queer culture, like, I think that's where the magic is, you know, um, at the moment, you know, I think there's also where the struggle is, mm. you know, particularly in terms of, um, you know, trans, trans rights and trans safety, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I think that that's, that's, you know, but where there's struggle is where there's culture, you know, and I feel like that's one of the reasons, I guess, why I'm doing this project, because I, you know, I don't know about, I don't know about Wellington or, or you know, like Hamilton has no queer culture anymore. No, there's no gay bars. There's no nothing. Mm. You know, we're totally assimilated. And I find that really sad. You know, I find it like we're so accepted in the mainstream that we have no place of our own anymore. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, it's almost like that, that thing of uh, like almost meeting halfway of like, they're like, we'll accept <laughs> you, but only if you kind of like, look and act like us which I, I feel like yeah. that is kind of the antithesis of queerness of being like we're nothing like you and we're very proud to be nothing like you um, and that like yeah. not assimilating being a part of queer identity um, but I guess it's so like rainbow identity is so varied that like some people just want to like you know, live that that nice nice old life where they just like fit in just like everyone else, and it's that thing of people should be able to choose, and people should have autonomy over themselves and over their own lives, so that they can like decide whether they want to live that humdrum queer life or like settle down <laughs> and have a nice quiet yeah. one. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So in that, in that way, I think it's really, really good that we have the choice, mm. you know, uh, these these days. Um, absolutely, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, but um, when we're talking about queerness and culture and, and queerness, I just, yeah, I find it so much more interesting when you've got, you know, queer artists and, and queer musicians who are just disrupting everything that we take to be normal um that's exciting for me that's that's probably the most exciting like honestly I can nerd out on that for forever yes. you know it's yeah. <laughs> like bring it to me bring all of it to me I will absorb everything um so yeah yeah I guess, do you think there is a a difference between, like, as we were mentioning it a little bit earlier of stuff like Katie Lang being very important to the lesbian community uh, way back when, mm. and, like, disco, yeah. uh, upbeat pop music being really important to, like, cis gay men, and do you feel as though there is more middle ground now, or do you think there is still, um, like... I don't know, difference or differentiation between different groups within the rainbow community? I mean, yeah, I think there is still difference because, again, I think music or any art is 
is best when it's reflective of your own unique view of the world or your own, you know, your own identity. And as much as we're a community, we do have different experiences as a, as a rainbow community. And so I think, you know, um, there are, there are different, there are differences in taste, I guess, in terms of what cis gay men might listen to versus what lesbians might listen to versus what um, bisexual people might listen to, et cetera, et cetera. Sweater weather. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't think it's as genre specific as it was. Um, I think we're seeing artists presenting, you know, a wide variety of genres so that the queerness is not dependent on the genre mm. or the, you know, um, it's not dependent on the type of music. Um, it's dependent on other things. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think that there are still, you know, do lesbians still like listening to confessional singer-songwriters? Definitely, <laughs> you know. Like, is dance music still a massive part of, you know, um, game music? Absolutely. You know, um, but there's crossovers. Absolutely. You know, there's definite cross And there's artists that are really interesting that are taking whatever they want from wherever, you know, um, and presenting that to, I guess, a range mm. of, of audiences, queer audiences. So... Yeah, you know, and, and then obviously there's artists that are that are not queer that are just making music that we can still appropriate yeah. as we have always done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I guess do you, do you yeah, think that as people have been able to be more open, like within things like in their lyrics and in the performance of music, do you think that that has maybe affected how queer the music itself feels of like they don't have to be like put in this specific queer thing that like sounds queer because you can like balance it out in the lyrics or in the performance of that of being able to be more explicitly queer yeah I think you know obviously you know you know pre I guess even um you know marriage equality or pre you know um rights movements and and that kind of stuff ambiguity and was the was the was the way to do things you know sort of subversive readings of straight texts was the way to do things and now we don't and that's perhaps one of the biggest leaps in popular music of the last 20 years is that we do have really overt lyrics about um i guess queer experiences um and so that uh, I think that that does mean that I don't know if that changes the music at all. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is when we have overt lyrics, I feel like sometimes that detracts from the queerness, mm. um, the queer aesthetic anyway. Um, I think it's really important to have, uh, uh, I guess, lyrics that we can identify with, but aesthetically, uh, there's no ambiguity there. There's no sort of hidden meanings. Um, and that's what I guess queerness was built on in the first place mm. um, in terms of music anyway. So, um, yeah. And I think that's I what, yeah, 
I feel like that's what I love about being queer, I think. Of like, I just say I'm queer and people have no clue what that actually means. They're like, <laughs> of like, okay, so you're queer, but that you don't know anything about like who I'm attracted to or like anything yeah, like yeah. that. It's just I'm queer yeah. and you can like guess. Um, and I guess that yeah. is kind of the, the beauty of queerness. If it's just being like, I am queer and you get to know nothing else more specific. And I guess it's as well, it's that, like we were saying with like um, girls like girls earlier of like those overt lyrics were like super overt and like hella gay, but the music itself yeah. didn't have queer aesthetic to it. Yeah, yeah. Mary Lambert's another one. Um, she keeps mm. me warm. Um, I don't know if you've heard that song. It's a bit of a it's a country song. Yeah. Uh, same kind of deal. Really overt lyrics. Kind of nothing really. Pretty generic song mm. to be fair. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we're just better than that. That's really judgmental of me, but I'm like, come on, guys, we can do better. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, but I think you know when I'm looking at, at at queer music, I'm looking at you know campness and kitschness and irony and everything being overblown and excessive. You know. Um, like we've talked about quite a lot, things working together that shouldn't work together, you know, um, you know, themes that are perhaps a little bit uh, weird or disruptive or disturbing. Um, not necessarily all the time, but, you know, those I think are the, are the sort of, in, in terms of what academics have sort of, uh, I guess, concluded anyway, that those are the things that sort of tend to define queer aesthetic in music. But yeah, I'm just looking to see if there's maybe a little bit more. Mm. Um, I really hope you find it because I'm, I'm so interested now. I'm just like, this conversation has me like, ooh, it's like, ooh, yeah. is there stuff? I'm just going to like analyze everything from now on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's my life and I get to nerd out about this and I, it's just, I've got six more years of, cause I'm doing my PhD part time. So I've got six more years of nerding out on this and I just, I'm just loving every minute cause I can sit down and, and then the whole day's gone without me realizing it. Cause it's just so interesting. And I just get to, I just get to soak up queerness all the time. I feel like I, <laughs> I'm a rich I'm rich in culture because yeah. I get to do this. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Are there are there any like particular bodies of work at the moment that you've been really fascinated by? I guess like you, you were talking about St. Vincent earlier um, mm. and how her body of work is just like really, mm. I guess, drew you in. Are there any bodies of work like that at the moment or any songs or albums or projects that people have been doing that you're just like, ooh, you're really enjoying? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I was just like, there, there's a one particular, there's a couple of songs that I'm really into because I can't quite figure out why I like them, you know, or why they might be quit. So I just keep listening to them. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Ezra Furman. Uh, oh, no, I don't think so. Um, they have this song called Body Was Made and it's kind of like this old school David Bowie type piece you know, with this like really bombastic saxophone part um, and just a really, really interesting, interesting lyrics that I guess are overt in that, you know, in terms of a trans 
narrative almost, but there's something about it that's just still a little bit weird, you mm. know, like, it, it, and I think, you know, references to other queer artists in queer music is, is a really common practice. So the, the song practically sounds like Sorrow by David Bowie, you know, but it doesn't, it sounds different. And I'm just, I keep listening to it because I'm like, what is it about this song that's so fascinating? Um, maybe it's the vocal, you know, maybe it's the saxophone, I don't know, maybe it's the lyrics, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one, that's one piece that I'm, yeah, I just keep listening to it. Um, and the other one I, like, I, cause I teach performance, um, at Wintech where I work and I'm sort of in a fortunate position where these students, my students just come and they, they bring me the most amazing music that they're working on. Um, as covers and, and one of my students did um, last year she did a an Emily King cover um, and the song was was distance um, and it's off an album called the switch mm. the Emily King and I heard it and I was like same experience where I was just like that sounds really queer to me that sounds like a really queer song like nothing to do with the the conventions that I've talked about so far like mm. it's just smooth jazz pop and I was just like, why? Why is this song, why does it sound so queer to me? And I still haven't figured it out. Um, so I'm kind of obsessively listening to that song over and over again as well, just so I can kind of, it's a beautiful song too. It's just really smooth and, and sort of mellow and, and really nice. Yeah. And then I guess my other, I guess, long-term obsession has always been um, Fiona Apple. Oh, classic classic yeah. i just i haven't even got to fetch the bolt cutters yet because i'm still stuck on the idler wheel you know i'm just it's it's on repeat in my car and i listen to it all the time because it's so good and so strange and there's just so much to unpack uh, any one of her albums there's just so much to unpack but yeah, particularly the Idler Well, I think is perhaps like it was a it was a it was a magical moment for me when that album came out and I like bought it essentially as soon as it came out and I haven't stopped listening to it since because yeah it's just I don't know how she does it <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> like, I'm just like these lines and the lyrics you know like I'm a tulip in a cup stand no chance of growing up like I just how do you do that? Yeah. You know, like, it's just, yeah. And, you know, the melodies that are kind of so, they're kind of like, he's, he's just like ranting at you, but somehow highly melodic at the same time. And then just really dissonant ryth rhythms and dissonant, like, can a rhythm be dissonant? I don't know. Fiona Apple makes it a, a dissonant rhythm. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Hey, if anyone you know, can do it, Fiona Apple can do it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, and she's another example of an artist that ne doesn't necessarily identify as queer, but whose music I think is definitely queer. Mm. You know, like no questions. That's queer music to me. Mm. You know, she's also popped up in my in my research. You know, so yeah, I'm, I haven't even got to fetch the bolt cutters yet. I'm just I'm just the yeah. idle wheel forever. Yeah, I guess pretty much. Um, so, um, this year, especially when I think about albums, there are like two albums that 
um, stuck out to me, which is like Sawayama, which is by Reina Sawayama that came out at the beginning of the year, right in time for lockdown. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I listened to that album all the way through lockdown. But it's such a beautiful um, album that's sort of it's it's super personal like when you listen to it you're like oh should I be listening to this because this feels like very personal but she speaks like sings a lot about like her queerness but also about her relationship with her culture and her family which I'm just like oh um those definitely feel like queer themes right there being like Mm. out of touch with your family um and then Albert the album by um Kanan Lonsdale um what's the album called oh my gosh no I've forgotten the album I think it's called Rainbow Boy an album but it's Mm -hmm. again a really beautiful album speaking about queer identity and speaking about like his relationship to living in America as like a black man and the like intersections of those oppressions as well which I think are like really important pieces of work but also so beautiful and also I think encapsulate queerness in the most beautiful way um yeah anyway so I like talked about those for a little while I just love them I think those albums are so gorgeous and I actually haven't listened to them so thank you I'm (laughs) I'm here to give you content just like if you want any queer music hit me up like I've got like literally please send me a playlist yeah (laughs) I'll send you a playlist yeah just, Actually, have you heard of Mojo Juju? No. Okay, right, okay. Mojo Juju, another queer artist, but Australian, okay. Oh, no. Um, and oh, no. <laughs> she's, I think it's she. I'm not really sure if it's she. Um, I we'll just go that, with but, they. Um, we'll go with they for now. Sorry? But also we have they. 30 seconds left of our interview. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Fantastic. Native Tongue is the song. You should definitely listen to that. Um, but in our 30 seconds, my email address, <laughs> if you want to do an interview with me, um, is uh, megan.rogerson berry at wintech.ac.nz. Or you can phone 0800 2 Wintech extension 3291. And I would love to hear from anyone who wants to have a chat with me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we went, we just went on a roll, so we ran out of time. Um, so you've <laughs> been listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. Kakeets.